0: PF Fresno and online at kpfa.org. The time is now 3 p.m. Stay with us for a stone's throw with Jennifer Stone. Happy ending. Nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy ending. up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys, there's your picture, drop the shadow. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is August the 21st, 2012. Gosh, that means my youngest son is half a century old or young today. Happy birthday, Peter. Fifty years is a mighty long time. History happens, time and tide waits for no man. How glorious to be alive, (laughs) to embrace, to embrace the earth and all its creatures. Ah, yes. Oh, I cannot hold thee close enough, is that Edna St. Vincent Millay right? She She used to just make love to the grass eternal gratitude, joyous participation in this mad world, uh, in all its sorrow and its infinite beauty. Oh, boy, what a gift, what a gift we all have been given. And I have, yes, I have two sons. Uh, Ah, a life so full I sometimes think I've gotten away with too much. Even the bad stuff seems more than I deserve sometimes. I keep thinking, why didn't I do more to make things better? Uh, Do something, you know, uh, for all those who gave me so much. Uh, What was I thinking back in the day? Yes, back in the day, back in 1952, when my father was 50. Now, that was a time, ah, they had Eisenhower Republicans in those days, they they weren't new dealers, of course, we knew that, but, uh, well, we just shrugged and thought, oh, they they don't want another war, they're they're doing that Cold War thing, you heard about that today, 10 o'clock this morning. Mitch talked about that right here on KPFA, Uh, that Cold War game. Well, of course, there there was Korea. Oh, what did I know? Uh, I guess I thought that Eisenhower wasn't stupid. I mean, not not stupid, not like George W., none of the uh, stupido absurdisms like we've got Today, you know, uh, those Republicans, 1950 Republicans, didn't go around saying that rape did not result in pregnancy. Yes, that the woman could shut down. Oh, God, I I cannot, I just cannot grapple with today's dimwits. I understand, of course, that this has nothing to do with... um, what is it, with the facts, this is about politics, and of course, I'm just, uh, I'm just, oh, uh, I'm just the sort of fool that uh, still keeps yammering about the Reagan revolution, you remember, you you think maybe Reagan had something to do with the end of our liberal education in this country, not that, not that it was that, uh, Not that we were that clever, God knows. uh, But in 1980, when Reagan came to the White House, uh, let's see, my older son was 20 then, and, of course, the collapse of the education uh, system, let's call it a system, was well on its way in 1980, but let's face it, uh, uh, today, the liberal... The liberal education is pretty much a privilege. Uh, Look around. How old is Paul Ryan, this guy who's going to be the Republican VP nominee? He's 42. It's about the age of Milt Romney's oldest son. What I see, boys and girls, is unripe fruit, this unripe fruit fruit, Um, these raw reactionaries kind of underdone, undercooked, I couldn't help it, last night I dug in the files and found a piece on, would you believe, Ah, Joycelyn Elders, you remember we had a surgeon general called Joycelyn Elders. She made a speech at the United Nations on World AIDS Day back in 1994. Let let me just quote, (laughs) quote. Uh, There was a right-wing coup in 94. You remember that dude, Newt Gingrich. A Jocelyn Elders spoke as follows, quote. As per your specific question in regard to masturbation. I think it is something that is part of human sexuality, and it's a part of something that perhaps should be taught, but we've not even taught our children the very basics, and I feel that we have tried ignorance for a very long time. And it's time to try education. End quote. <laughs> I quoted that piece in an article I wrote in 1995 for the women's newspaper, Plexus, back in the day. Some of you are old enough to remember this uh, question, the question addressed to Dr. Elders. It was in the context of explicit discussion of masturbation as it relates to the campaign against sexually transmitted disease, AIDS in particular. Her answer, of course, was both loving and wise. She was speaking reasonably, righteously. Of course, she had to go. Out she goes, fired, bang, bang. Remember, the fate of Bella Abzug during Jimmy Carter's administration. (laughs) Even Jimmy Carter, (laughs) when cornered, uh, even a liberal leader, will throw the women and children under the bus. Bella Abzug also shot off her mouth. She was given the job of dealing with women's issues. However, when she proceeded to do so, They said she was out of line, right. Aha! Ladies, don't tell the truth. We know that. Uh, If they do, well, then they are no longer ladies. They get uh, fired. Uh, It's a man's world, boys and girls, and uh, it belongs to men to damn as they please. Back in that uh, era, Jesse Helms could speak treason. Holly North could speak terrorism. Howard Stern could shout obscenities until the money rolled in. Oh, how the money rolled in. But a woman doctor, a woman of color, who actually does her job like Joycelyn Elder's, she is a pagan, aha, an upstart, that, my friends, is that, uh, <laughs> anyway, back in the day, uh, I remember the real healers, they understood that compassion is nothing but enlightened self-interest, however, I'll save that for another day, uh. I just think it might be possible that sophisticated folks, uh, well, I was thinking about this. Uh, once upon a time, Robert Kennedy warned us that sophisticated folks aren't going into politics anymore. It's, um, it's just for dimwits. Now, God, I hope that is not true because, uh, well public service has got to be a place for thinking men and women. Uh they tell us that mass media has reduced public life to something on the level of product placement. You know we buy the label the uh the guy on the the guy on the package. Sell the candidate the way we sell soap. Uh Now, it's a yes and a no, folks. We do have the best democracy money can buy, God knows. (laughs) Rumor has it that the Koch brothers plan to spend, oh, gee, they are going to spend as much money on the Republican campaign for the White House in this coming election as they spent on the, as was spent by everybody, uh, all the Republicans, on the entire McCain campaign in 2008. Oh, this cash register keeps ringing in my ear. I have this fantasy, a fantasy about a humanitarian, utopian state, uh, you know, sort of place where the job of head man or head woman would go to those individuals, those politicians, call them still politicians, ...who raise the most money for humanitarian causes, you know, for the general welfare. You know, funds for hospitals and schools, for uh, repairing the infrastructure, blah, blah. All the life-affirming good stuff. Uh, uh, in a debt culture, <laughs> top dollar goes to the military, to the corporations, to the marketplace... We are what we own. We are what we can buy. A citizen is, first of all, a consumer. I'm referring here again. Oh, polemics, polemics. Oh, oh dear. Here's a polemic. I'm referring to the one from 1995 by Toni Morrison. Drives me nuts to see all these things repeated and repeated and repeated. Back in 1995, in the nation, our Nobel laureate, Toni Morrison, writes about racism and fascism. And here's an excerpt from a speech that she delivered uh, in March of 1995. It ends where she says, fascism talks ideology, but it's really just marketing. Marketing for power. It is recognizable by its need to purge, by the strategies it uses to purge, by its terror of truly democratic agendas. It is recognizable by its determination to convert all public services to private entrepreneurship all non-profit organizations to profit-making ones. Uh, It changes citizens into taxpayers. Individuals become angry at even the notion of the public good. It changes neighbors into consumers. The measure of our value as humans is not our humanity, not our compassion, our generosity, but what we own. It changes parenting into panicking so that we vote against the interests of our own children, against their health care, their education, their safety from weapons. In effect, uh, these changes produce the perfect capitalist... Someone who is willing to kill a human being for a product, for a pair of sneakers, a jacket, a car. Willing to kill generations for the control of products, for oil, drugs, fruit, gold. When our fears have all been serialized and our creativity censured and our ideas market-placed, our rights sold, our intelligence sloganized, our strength downsized, our privacy auctioned, when the theatricality, the entertainment value, the marketing of life is complete, we will find ourselves living not in a nation but in a consortium of industries, wholly unintelligible to ourselves, except for what we see as through a glass darkly. I filed this in my big file, the one that I have labeled permanently, (laughs) that fascism... Is capitalism plus murder? That's what the late great Upton Sinclair told us now. If fascism is capitalism plus murder, are we there yet? (laughs) I don't know. Are we there yet, boys and girls? Uh, Are we what we own? Are we what we can buy? Are we consumers, not citizens? Uh, I get the feeling lately that as a citizen, I don't amount to much without a job. That in a way, my job is my citizenship, if you think about it. You know, back in 1952, it was enough to be a citizen. There was a kind of, kind of basic assumption that if you were a citizen, we would not let you starve. (laughs) Today, I notice that just the idea, the suggestion of a progressive tax code is subversive. Uh, Even the Democrats are unwilling to say, you know, that (laughs) a progressive tax code means that we, uh, tax the rich at a higher rate than we tax the, uh, poor. Now, this hype is hideous. It's insane. The prophet Orwell, old George Orwell, warned us, uh, about all the ways that words, words would be used to control the masses. Yep. The big lie, or lies, plural, uh, Back in 1952, many rich persons in these United States did pay their bills, pay their fair share. I remember old Bob Hope. He would make jokes, something about, oh, he said 80% of his income was going to pay his country's bills. But I noticed he was a, a happy patriot, certainly happy to do his act for the troops, uh, patriotic to the end of his life he was but in our time with the wealth having gone corporate uh the rich well many many of the rich not quite all the wealthy folks are what ted kennedy once called billionaire benedict arnold's that is traitors to their country uh benedict arnold was a traitor long, long ago. Uh, Those wealthy folks, those billionaire Benedict Arnolds, just take their money and run, 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 run away. Move their resources offshore, boys. It's a neat trick. Mm Mm-hmm. Tax loopholes. (laughs) Wherewith they hang us. Uh, Yep. 60 years ago, back in 1952... Things were different. Not, not, I'm not saying we had a golden age. We didn't. But, uh, it wasn't, well, I guess I don't know how to explain it. Maybe you had to be there. It wasn't that we had money exactly. That's not it. It's just that we didn't need money so much. Uh, school was almost free, I remember I I took out some loans to finish college, uh, got some scholarships there for a while, and uh, I was at Mills College, which was expensive for its time, but when I paid off the loan a few years later, it cost me uh, $15 a month to pay off that loan. Most of all, the rent, that was it you could go here and there and i could go to new york and t- try to try to break into the theater and you know a cold water flat was next to nothing uh i remember renting a summer apartment in north beach in san francisco right yes ah uh, i was doing a play over at uh uh oh the bella union theater tartuffe's moliere i remember that Ah, the rent was next to nothing. After the show, we would go over to The Hungry Eye and watch Mort Saul, and then we would go to The Purple Onion and see Phyllis Diller. God bless her. She passed on yesterday. Phyllis is dead, they say. She died smiling. Uh, Just died in her sleep, age 95. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Uh, I remember Phyllis Diller. I remember her laugh. (laughs) Makes me think of the poet Alta's lines. She she wrote, Alta wrote, You think weeping sounds bad? You should hear me laugh. Wild mind is what Phyllis Diller had. She went into stand-up comedy in her late 30s. She was broke. She had five kids. Her husband was chronically unemployed she called him fang uh she did do some of those uh you know take my husband please jokes but she says he had a very large tooth that's why she called him fang what a hoot what a hoot a liberated woman of course if that's what counts uh somebody said genius is what happens when you're looking for a way out she reminds me of dick gregory uh grasp the nettle uh The, what is it, the feminist facts was what she used for her comedy. Tell the truth, she was no lady, Phyllis Diller. Told the truth, Uh, she did tell it slant. She turned it on herself, right. Uh, I don't know what we call that, self-deprecating humor. But like Dick Gregory, she figured that, you know, if they don't kill you, you'll make a fortune. Ah, the Purple Onion. And, yes, she held forth. Mort Saul held forth. The Bella Union Theater. I was, what, uh, barely 20. Ah, I played the clever servant in Tartuffe. North Beach, in the first half of the 1950s, What a dreamscape that was for me. I was just this stupid little undergraduate from Mills College. Mm -hmm. We went to the drag shows at the Beige Room. I guess Phyllis Diller was the first female comic. Well, I mean the first to do stand-up, you know. Lucille Ball and those others were a different story, but um, we kind of understood that stand-up was a real breakthrough for women. It was, what is it, uh, subversive. Uh, Some women thought it was not a good idea, that is, that uh, she was giving away the game, so to speak, that... uh, Telling the truth was not the way to influence the men. It was too raw, too in-your-face. I mean, you can't just come out and tell what men do. Anyway, I just figured she was trying to make a living. Uh, Her content, her subject, uh, sooner or later was like that of so many women feminist women uh, she was looking for love, revenge was only a sidebar. All the material she she uh, created about her looks about sex uh, romance was not about well it wasn't her vanity, it was just the need for approval, the search for love. Some people said narcissism actually. <laughs> I remember she she went into plastic surgery and that did work for a while improved her looks no end uh she was uh trying to put up a good fight in our celebrity culture back in the victorian age i remember charlotte brontë well letters about charlotte brontë saying that charlotte would have traded all her fame for beauty women are suckers that way you know Romance addicts. What I loved about Phyllis Diller was her outrageous persona. She did, she did wave a feminist fist in the air. (laughs) She said herself, nothing keeps you going like laughter. The wild laughter of wild mind. Ah. (laughs) I was thinking about that today, trying to think of something, anything... We could do about this Todd Aiken business. Uh, I guess he, he himself is the joke. You could send him an email. That's what you could do a postcard. Ask him, Todd Aiken of Missouri, ask him what is illegitimate rape, okay? Just exactly what's that? Uh, Paul Ryan used the words forcible rape in some legislation. I I suppose that's redundant, but yes, forcible rape. That's um, the kind of language our VP uh, cooked up. Uh, (laughs) The subject of ignorance in sexual matters is so profound in our culture, I I should save it for another day. I'll uh, combine it with my articles on Joycelyn elders who tried so hard to... uh, What do you call that? Uh, Just broach the subject. It certainly is not a subject for comedy, but uh, anything that educates both men and women might be a help. Uh, You might try that movie, Kinsey. That isn't, uh, well, it isn't a total success, but it does try to address sexual dysfunction. Liam... Neeson and Laura Linney did a good job Uh, they uh, you know that set back in the 1950s when uh, Kinsey tried to acquaint America with some of the facts what we have to remember of course is that uh, facts don't confuse our politicians opinion is the death of knowledge of more about that, about how opinion is the death of knowledge. Next Tuesday at this time, this has been Jennifer Stone uh, with Stone's Throw. Until next time, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Drop the shadow. Oakland East Bay Gay Men's Chorus invite you to Red Hot and Fabulous on August 25th at the Greek Orthodox Cathedral of the Ascension in Oakland. This concert is an eclectic mix of solos, duets, and ensembles backed by a live band. The show also features the premiere of two new arrangements for Men's Chorus by Dr. Kathleen McGuire. She has arranged If People Like Me Marry by Paul James Frantz and Potluck by June Bonisich. Celebrate summer with an evening of fun, food, and music. This event is hosted by the San Francisco-based comedy duo Fifi and Fanny, and there will be a silent and live auction with a wide range of prizes. Red Hot and Fabulous is a benefit for the Oakland East Bay Gay Men's Chorus. Partial proceeds from this concert will also benefit the Lighthouse Community Center in Hayward. For more information, go to oevgmc.org or call 1-800-706-2389.